Welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we began a new podcast series on the topic of social justice, on the topic of what some might call wokeism. And this is the third podcast so far, and really I have failed to give uh, any definitions. And so today's podcast uh, is going to be an attempt to define critical race theory, uh, or CRT. And so let's go ahead and uh, jump into this. Here is the beginning, uh, the definitions. Uh, I am going to make a commitment, and I'm actually uh, rehashing a commitment that I made in the first episode, but I'm going to make a commitment to be as fair as I possibly know how in representing the views of my opponents. My goal here is to adorn the truth. It would be unfair of me to find the farthest left, most wacko position out there and try to make it sound like everyone who holds to uh, social justice is just like this wacko person. The truth is, that all of us, regardless of what views we hold, all of us uh, has the crazy uncle in our family tree. And so when your friend comes over for Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you make sure to let him know that, oh, that one's the crazy uncle, and really the rest of our family isn't that way. It's just him. And so I think that it is extremely unfair when, for example, those to my left try and compare me to a Stephen Anderson or a Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, That's a straw man argument, and I don't like it when my opponents want to make me out to be something that I am not. And likewise, my opponents don't like it when I make them out to be something that they are not. Nobody likes that. It is not a fair representation of truth. It may score you internet points, it may score you likes on your social media uh, accounts, uh, but it's not adorning truth. It's unjust, and if it's done knowingly, uh, then it's dishonest, manipulative, and a lie. And really, honestly, shame on the person who does that. Let's at least fairly represent one another. And so my commitment here is to refrain from engaging in a straw man argument, from misrepresenting those uh, that don't share the same views that I do. Those to my left would prefer, I'm guessing most of them, not to be compared to the worst possible representation of leftist values. Now, with this in mind, this is going to be a challenge to do. Why is that? Because the modern social justice movement is not a monolithic movement. In other words, we don't always know who the crazy uncles are. And oftentimes, yesterday's crazy uncles are today's party leaders. Here's what I mean. Nobody has risen up and defined what orthodox social justice is and declared that to be truth. And so even when I do quote mainstream voices on this topic, there may be others who disagree with that. Wokeism is a rapidly evolving worldview, and it is a worldview, as I'll attempt to discuss in a future episode. And if you think that uh, I have been uh, unfair 
uh, reach out and I will do my best to respond in a meaningful way. I may even address it on the podcast in the future. And who knows, maybe I'll bring someone on here with the opposing viewpoint. Uh, That certainly would be a fun conversation. I'm committing to listening before I speak, which is uh, actually a reason why I'm so late to the party on this one. Everyone who was cool was talking about social justice forever ago, and I'm just now getting around to addressing it. I don't want to be reactionary. I want to think through these things biblically and also allow uh, time to kind of uh, weed out some of the maybe minority views and try to get an idea of what the main, uh, main view is in this social justice movement. Remember Proverbs 18.13 that says this, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Now, with all of that introductory material out of the way, let's start by defining critical race theory. And I'm going to go uh, as close to the source as I can on this which in many ways is the book Critical Race Theory by Richard Delgado. And I know that I quoted a little bit from this last uh, week, and we'll do a little bit more this week. He provides us with really um, maybe not as much uh, a one-sentence definition of CRT, but he gives us four tenets of critical race theory. And I'm going to get to those in in a second here, but before... He also gives um, some characteristics, some general characteristics of critical race theory. And so I'm just going to kind of quote these here for you to kind of give you a general idea of uh, what he is saying uh, critical race theory is. Delgado writes, quote, The critical race theory movement is a collection of activists and scholars engaged in studying and transforming the relationship among race, racism, and power, end quote. Generally speaking, it's about activists studying race. And then he gives us, in an interesting statement, the source of the movement. He says, quote, as the reader will see, critical race theory builds on the insights of two previous movements, critical legal studies and radical feminism, to both of which it owes a large debt, end quote. Now, this makes a lot of sense. Because we saw in the last podcast that standpoint epistemology or standpoint theories has its its roots in uh, feminism. Feminism has shaped the modern social justice movement in many ways. One uh, brief observation here is that uh, I know there are some Christians who support critical race theory but reject feminism. This quote from Delgado would indicate that separating CRT from feminism may be a bit more difficult than people imagine. Can you consistently support critical race theory and reject its foundations in feminism? I don't think that you can. Anyway, he continues on here and talks about how uh, many people in modern education use CRT. He says, quote, Today, many scholars in the field of education consider themselves critical race theorists who use CRT's ideas to understand issues of school discipline and hierarchy, tracking, affirmative action, high-stakes testing, controversies over curriculum and history, bilingual and multicultural education, and alternative and charter schools, end quote. Furthermore, critical race theory has an activist dimension to it. Uh, Note what uh, Delgado says, quote, unlike some academic disciplines, critical race theory contains an activist dimension. 
It tries not only to understand our social situation, but to change it, setting out not only to ascertain how society organizes itself along racial lines and hierarchies, but to transform it for the better, end quote. Okay, now for his four attributes of CRT. Um, Four attributes or four features that he gives to us. Number one, he says this, quote, first, racism is ordinary, not aberrational, normal science, the usual way society does business, the common everyday experience of most people of color in this country, end quote. Okay, so racism, according to Delgado and according to CRT, is the default position of a society. We are, we might say, born into it. We are born into racism. It is normal for us by our default position to be racist. Okay, let's go to the second one. He says, quote, the second feature, sometimes called interest convergence or material determinism, adds a further dimension. Because racism advances the interests of both white elites materially and working class whites, large segments of society have little incentive to eradicate it, end quote. Okay, so here he says that racism benefits a large part of our society and therefore there's no motivation to eradicate it. So one, it's normal. Uh, everybody uh, experiences racism or is a racist on the whole. And then two, there's no motivation to eradicate it because of how beneficial it is to a large part of the population. Um, okay, now here's the third one. He says this, quote, a third theme of critical race theory, the social construction thesis, holds that race and races are products of social thought and relations. Not objective, inherent, or fixed, they correspond to no biological or genetic reality. Rather, races are categories that society invents, manipulates, or retires when convenient. Now, this third one intrigues me uh, quite a bit because um, outside of maybe phrasing that statement a little bit differently, I mostly agree with him on this one. But it also perplexes me. I agree um, in one sense that race is socially constructed because of a foundational reality in Scripture. And I'm going to read to you Acts 17 in verse 26 where we read this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. Okay, Acts 17, 26, God made from one man, that is Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. What does this mean? This means that there is only one race. That's the human race. There are differing ethnicities, yes, but there is only one race, the race of Adam. Uh, That's why, uh, I mean, I I usually try to avoid the word racism, Uh, certainly um, in a podcast like this uh, where you're quoting people and having to uh, live in a world that that talks that way. But uh, I try to avoid the word racism because it implies more than one race. Uh, I prefer the phrase ethnic partiality. Um, But here's what perplexes me. 
if race is a mirage, as the social justice advocates would want us to believe, or as they believe, then why continue to give credence to it? CRT claims that race is fake. So why emphasize it so much? Why refer to it so frequently? Why make everything about race? Now, the fourth um, aspect of CRT is this. He says, quote, a final element concerns the notion of a unique voice of color coexisting in somewhat uneasy tension with anti-essentialism. The voice of color thesis holds that because of their different histories and experiences with oppression, black, American Indian, Asian, and Latino writers and thinkers may be able to communicate to their white counterparts matters that the whites are unlikely to know, end quote. Okay, so we saw this last week. I gave that same quote last week talking about um, epistemology, uh, how we know what we know. And so uh, go back to that episode if you haven't uh, listened to that yet. CRT has its roots in critical theory and specifically critical legal studies. CRT believes that racism is so ingrained in the systems of society that many times the oppressed themselves don't even realize they are oppressed. This is what they call a false consciousness. False consciousness is the belief that the dominant narrative of the oppressors has so infiltrated every crevice of society that even the oppressed don't know that they are oppressed. This is why the term woke is used. It refers to someone who has overcome that uh, false consciousness, that system, and now is awake to the systems of injustice that are uh, in place in society. So if you are woke then you are no longer falling uh, prey to this false consciousness. You no longer are believing this false narrative that the oppressors are putting out, and you now have been liberated in your mind, so to speak, and you are now woke. Okay, that's CRT from Delgado's perspective. And I think most people uh, that I've talked to or um, things that I've read have a tendency to agree with that, uh, those four um, elements of it. So let's move on here to a brief critique of CRT. And this is actually maybe more of the beginning of a critique on it because uh, I do want to address more from episode to episode uh, on this series, but I do want to highlight just a couple here. Um, I have believed that for a very long time that... Part of the answer, and I'm saying part of because I believe that um, the gospel is the ultimate and final answer, but I, I, I believe that part of the answer to the problem of racism, or as I'm calling it, ethnic partiality, is not to see skin color, um, that, that we don't um, take that into account when I'm trying to interact with someone or deal out justice, or have a conversation, or any of those things that we just don't see skin color. This is um, a, a view that I do share with Martin Luther King Jr. And of course, you will recall probably his most famous and well-known statement of all time, where Luther said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, as critical race theory is defined, 
I want to make the observation that CRT disagrees with this fundamental statement by King. In fact, that kind of a statement today, critical race theory, calls racist. And I don't think that's a minor thing. I think this is a major thing. This view, the, the view that, that I'm advocating for, and what Luther said, um, the, the view that I should not factor color into my judgment of someone is what has been termed, some people call, colorblindness. In other words, if you don't see skin color, then you're colorblind. And I am an advocate of the fact that we ought to be colorblind. We ought not take into consideration someone's skin color. Uh, we ought to take into consideration, as Luther said, uh, the content of their character. An employer who hires someone based on their ability to perform the job instead of the color of their skin is colorblind. The college that accepts applicants and ignores the color of their skin is colorblind. The neighbor that helps a neighbor regardless of the color of their skin is colorblind. But critical race theory is opposed to colorblindness. They believe that we should see race, that we should make decisions based upon race, which will inevitably lead to injustice. I briefly pointed this out a couple of episodes ago because those who advocate for reparations are advocating for reparations to benefit the descendants of slave masters. That's unjust, and that's why even if we should believe in reparations after multiple generations, which I don't think that we should, that is why it would need to be not based on skin color. We would need to track down actual descendants of slave masters and actual descendants of slaves and figure it out that way, regardless of skin color. We've seen this in a number of ways in our culture. Uh, most recently, um, well, maybe not most recently, about a year ago, uh, our own community here, Wayne County, um, had a COVID town hall meeting. And the schedule for this meeting was determined according to race. And there's a little um, social media picture here um, that I'm looking at where it's a save the date for Ohio's COVID-19 vaccine town halls. And then they have all these dates, Monday, February 22nd, African-American Ohioans, Tuesday, February 23rd, Hispanic and Latino Ohioans. Monday, March 1st, Asian American and Pacific Islander Ohioans. And then Tuesday, March 2nd, rural Ohioans. Um, th this, is, this is exactly uh, the opposite of what Luther was talking about. Why are we seeking to see race and to segregate based on, uh, on race or ethnicity? Uh, or consider the Denver Elementary School uh, last year promoted a Families of Color Playground Night. Does partiality produce impartiality? Does division create unity? Uh, there was another example recently of the King County Library System in Washington State that hosted separate listening sessions for white and black people. And there were uh, signs on the door, uh, black people here, white people here. Why are we reverting to separating people by skin color? And if race is not real, as CRT would suggest, then why act as if it's real? This is, of course, inconsistent with King's view, 
And it is also, ironically enough, inconsistent with their own stated view that race is socially constructed. It is self-refuting. To say that something is socially constructed means it isn't real. It's just something that we've made up in our minds. And if it doesn't exist, then why pretend that it does exist? If race is a mirage, then why is your entire worldview about making people see race? One must eventually ask the social justice warrior, which one is it? Is race a social construct or is it real? If it is real, why do you say that it isn't? And if it isn't, why do you act like it is? Why is it okay to hire a black person for his skin color, but not a white person for his? Why is partiality okay in this direction, but not in that direction? Why are you using racism to undo racism? Should you fight fire with fire? As someone once said, if everyone fought fire with fire, the whole world would go up in smoke. CRT proponents speak as if race is fabricated and then act as if it is real. Their actions betray their words. Does injustice create justice? Does partiality produce impartiality? Or can poison give life? Neither can racism create unity. Hypocrisy used to be a vice before the woke made it into a virtue. Evidently, they don't mind partiality, injustice, and racism so long as it furthers the narrative. As Obi-Wan Kenobi so aptly put it, you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 5, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We might contextualize this and cry out, Woe to the social justice warrior who calls partiality good and impartiality evil. We are to pursue impartiality in all things as believers in Christ. And Leviticus reminds us of this in chapter 19 and verse 15. We read, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Notice that this verse from Leviticus is a bit unexpected. One would expect the Bible to tell us not to be partial to the great, but don't be partial to the poor. We don't expect that, and yet that's what Leviticus says. CRT says partiality is good. The Bible says partiality is sin. And of course, this behavior um, from the CRT proponent is incompatible with their values. Jesus reminds us in John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. We ought not judge by someone's appearance, uh, uh, i.e. their skin color. We ought to judge with right judgment. This is just one observation of the many problems of CRT, and I would sum up this problem by saying that CRT is self-refuting, it is inconsistent, it is at odds with itself, and ultimately it is incoherent and illogical. And Lord willing, we'll look at more of this as we go through the series in weeks ahead. But for now, recognize that foundationally speaking, CRT is unjust. It's part of the modern social justice movement and creates injustice rather than curing it. Social justice is, in the words of Virgil Walker, subjective justice. And all of this distracts from the gospel because of a very important reason. 
CRT creates a group of people who think of themselves as victims, and it creates a group of people who think of themselves as oppressors. Now, I'm not undermining the fact that there are real oppressors in the world and real victims in the world, but I am saying that it does create a class of people, a group of people who, whether they're victims or not, think of themselves as victims, and people who, whether they're oppressors or not, think of themselves as oppressors. And here's how this distracts from the gospel. Uh, I want to read a quote to you from uh, Don Green, a pastor uh, here in Ohio, and he wrote this. He says uh, about, about the victims, he says, it inoculates them against seeing themselves as personally guilty sinners in their own right before a holy God who need repentance and the forgiveness that is found in Christ alone through faith alone. In other words, if you are thinking of yourself as a perpetual victim, then you will never think of yourself as guilty. But the gospel does say that you are guilty. In fact, it says all of us are guilty. But if you don't recognize that you are guilty, then you can never seek forgiveness and repentance in Christ alone. On the other hand, there is an opposite problem for those who are labeled as oppressors. Again, Don Green writes this, quote, the only path forward for the uh, oppressor is perpetual works-based penance that never finds final resolution or peace. CRT would never assure them that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. That message would do away with the incessant feelings of guilt that are necessary to feed the CRT beast, end quote. Or, to borrow a phrase that James White once said, there is therefore now much condemnation in the woke church. And this is the real issue. The issue at stake here is that the world has fabricated a simulacra of justice, a counterfeit justice. To get caught up in this modern social justice movement is to be distracted from the gospel. It is to be distracted from the truth. And of course, we desperately need Christ. We desperately need a biblical solution to the injustices of this world, one that upholds truth, one that upholds justice, and that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.